0: You are listening to The Music Room with Aileen Miracle. Hi everyone, welcome to episode 63 of The Music Room. The topic for today is music curriculum suggestions. So I received this question on my Ask Aileen page, if you're ever looking for an answer to a question about music education, you can visit mrsmiraclesmusicroom.com slash all one word, and you could record your question there, and it might be featured in an upcoming podcast episode or blog. So the question today is about music curriculum, so I will go ahead and play this question. The question is from Beth Buskirk, so thank you, Beth. You have so many wonderful products available. I was wondering, do you only use products that you have made or are there curriculums or materials or websites that you would recommend and that you maybe use yourself? So thank you to Beth for that question and for her kind words. So I will first talk about what I do and then mention a lot of resources and curriculum that I've heard good things about and that you might want to check out. But first a note just about curriculum in general. I don't really think that there's any curriculum where it's like one size fits all, you're good to go just using this one curriculum. So I would suggest, I think, what a lot of music educators do, and from my own personal experience, usually a myriad of different materials and curriculum work well. Um, I haven't really found one curriculum that's like the be-all, end-all, this is the only thing you need. For myself, I do use a lot of my own materials. They're created from my own experience and what I know works well. And I'll talk a little bit about my curriculum in a little bit here. I have also supplemented with materials of others from Teachers Pay Teachers like Amy Abbott, David Rao from Make Moments Better, Linda McPherson, and sometimes I know how someone has created a game or an activity or whatever, and I might even have the same clip art they do, but... It's just a time saver when I know like it's ready to go. I don't have to spend an hour or two making it. It's good to go. I'll go ahead and purchase it because it's a time saver. And sometimes they are doing something that I'm not exactly sure how they did it. Like Linda McPherson has some really awesome interactive games and, you know, I'd rather just buy them (laughs) than try to figure out how to make them myself. So I also have supplemented with a lot of the resources that I'm going to talk about in a minute here. And I will link to all of these resources in the show notes. Okay, so first let's talk about print curriculum. So probably the curriculum that you're the most familiar with that you probably have in your classroom is some kind of textbook series. So, this might be like Spotlight on Music or Making Music or something like that, you know, whether it be uh, McGraw-Hill or Silver Burdett Gann or, you know, some publishing company like that. You probably have something like that in your classroom that seems pretty standard. I, in general, don't use, I, I never use the textbooks to be honest, but I have used resources from the print curriculum that we use. For example, So we have all these textbooks and I don't use the textbooks, but they have all of these CDs that go along with the songs in the textbooks. And I find the CDs can be a really great resource for something like programs or performances where you need some kind of accompaniment track because they often will have like You know, it's almost like a karaoke kind of track that they'll have with it. And they often, if it's, you know, a song from somewhere around the world and it's in another language, then they might even have a pronunciation track, which I find really helpful. So the CDs can be really, really beneficial. And in the series that we have, we also have like an index where you can look up either by grade level or just like for the entire series, all the grade levels. You can look up songs. So sometimes you just like can't find a song. You don't remember how it goes. You might be able to look it up in the series or you're looking for some kind of program piece. You can look that up. Listening pieces, they often will have some kind, you know, classical music or jazz music or whatever. And those will be in the CD sets as well. And the index is this big book that you can look through and try to find what you're looking for. So I have found that to be a really valuable resource the audio recordings especially and I know that some print curriculum they are coming out with some digital resources now too that are really helpful especially for distance learning. So even though I don't use it a lot, I still look at it as a valuable resource. It can be a nice way to supplement or to find some songs that you're looking for. To, like I said, find those performance or program pieces. Other print curriculum that I've heard good things about game plan. I have heard a lot of good things about it. I think a few years ago, I kind of like peached through it, and it looked like there were some good things, but I can't speak to it personally as far as exact specific lessons, but I have heard word of mouth from teachers that they have really liked it. Could I Today, I've also heard good things about, and First Steps by John Firebin, which is really great for early elementary, and Conversational Sauvage is also by John Firebin and I've heard good things about both those resources. First Steps is especially great if you are teaching preschool, kindergarten, like those early elementary ages, uh, First Steps is great for that. All right, so that's a little bit about print curriculum. Digital curriculum. I'm going to start first with my lessons. So I have kindergarten through fifth grade in my TPT store, and very recently I've completely overhauled my kindergarten and first grade lessons so that they are much more digital friendly. Everything is actually in Google Drive for easy access and, again, to be more digitally friendly. And I also overhauled the lessons so that they were more student-centered, because I created the lessons, you know, several years ago, and looking at them with a fresh eye, I realized that they could be more student-centered, so... I, you know, have more centers work, more small group work, that kind of thing in a lot of the lessons. I have a new lesson plan template that I'm using that's prettier and I have agenda slides for every lesson. So I really like to project all of my kind of like lesson agendas or what we're doing in each lesson. I like to project it onto my interactive whiteboard so that students can know exactly what's happening in the lesson or what will happen in the lesson. And I also have ICANN statements on there as well. So every lesson right now, this is just kindergarten and first grade. I'm I'm going to be working on the other grade levels as well. Every lesson has an agenda slide that has a different design and has exactly what's happening in the lesson. And the great thing about that is that they're editable. So all of these lessons that I'm talking about are now in Google Slides. The lesson plans themselves are in Google Slides, which I know might seem odd, but it is like an eight and a half by 11. It looks like a piece of paper. but you can edit it easily and the agenda slides are also editable so if you've already purchased my kindergarten and first grade lessons then you can go to tpt and just go to my purchases find them in your purchases and download them again and you will have access to all of the updates i just talked about If the lessons sound like something you want to check out, I do have a free lesson plan that you can sign up for. And I will link to that in the show notes. So if you go to mrsmiraclesmusicroom.com and go to podcast and then podcast 63, you will find the link to the free lesson plan. But I, so I use these lesson plans that I've created and that I've just recently updated. I use them a lot as my curriculum. And again, this is just going off of, you know, past experiences in elementary music teacher for 22 years, when I know has worked really well, but I've also supplemented with other things. So I'll talk about that as well. Another digital resource that I've heard really good things about is music play. I know that especially with distance learning, a lot of music teachers have been using that website. And if I remember correctly, I think you don't actually have to have like your own sign-in. You can just send kids a link and they can go ahead and finish the lesson, which is great. And from the little that I have poked around on the site, it does look like a really great resource. I've also heard a lot of people talk about Quaver, especially with digital resources. So that's one that you could check out as well. All right, moving on to... Instead of print curriculum, exactly, I'm going to talk about print resources. So these are like books of songs, song collections, that kind of thing that can be really great to pull from for your curriculum. A note about some print resources. So we, as a music educator community, have come to realize that there are lots of songs. That are problematic, you know, that were potentially minstrel songs or have racist origins or aren't culturally authentic. So, with print resources, now, me as a digital creator, I was able to go into all of my sets that I knew had problematic material and replace them easily and update them on tpt so that is definitely a benefit of you know being a digital creator that i can just like boom change it like that but for authors who who are creating print resources it's not as easy to do so i just want to put a note out there that with any resource that you pick up because it's a print resource and they can't just easily or as easily swap out the material and it just, it takes longer. I guess I should say it's not that it's not on their radar. It's not that they're not doing it, but it takes longer to swap out that material. You just want to be careful of music that is, or songs, folk songs in these print resources to make sure that um, none of it is problematic. And if you are wondering, okay, well, what do you mean by problematic? I can link to, there are several Google Sheets out there with problematic songs. I'll find one of the indexes for problematic songs. And I also have a blog post called Five Songs I'm No Longer Teaching that have some of the songs that I'm referring to. So you can give that a look. Okay, so some of my favorite print resources, though, are American Methodology is a really great resource. And that one has a lot of songs and games, which is awesome. But then it also has a big chunk of it about the what we, in the Kodai world, call PPP process, the prepare, present, practice process. So it has a lot of ideas for, like, how to physically practice law, how to orally prepare Ticka ticka or whatever, right? So it has a lot of good teaching strategies in there. It's not exactly a curriculum, but it could, you know, you could use a lot of it to kind of build your own curriculum or to infuse into the curriculum that you have. Uh, Jill Trinka has so many great resources, uh, like My Little Rooster, Little Black Bull, and again, I can link to her resources in the show notes. But what's great about her resources is she'll have like the way the song is authentically sang. She'll have it in stick notation, which is kind of more of like a bare bones. Like if you are kind of looking at it from a pedagogical point of view, you might simplify some of the rhythms, what that looks like. And she also has song history notes which is so nice instead of just like looking at the song and being like, well, I don't really know where this is from or how it was first collected. Like she has a lot of that, you know, if you're into folk song history, it's really interesting. And I think like I just talked about before with problematic songs, I think there are more and more of us who are interested in, Where exactly did the song come from? So she's got some really great information in her resources. Uh, Susan Brumfield is also really great at including song history in her resources. So she has some called First We Sing. I think there's a few different volumes of First We Sing. She also has a song resource of all songs from England called Over the Garden Wall. And she also has a resource that's all songs from Scotland called Hot Peas and Barley. Oh, again has some really great information with song history. Another one of my favorites is called Roots and Branches. And that resource, Patricia Sheehan Campbell, is one of the authors of the book. And it has folk songs from all over the world. And again, gives context and history for each of the songs. So that's a really good purchase. And then another one that I don't have in my library yet but I would like to get for next year is by Doug Goodkin, and it's called Now's the Time Teaching Jazz to All Ages. I'm super excited to get this. I love his sequential approach to teaching about jazz. I have seen him present. He um, presented in Ohio at An ORF conference a couple years ago. And I just loved what I saw from him. And jazz is just, it's one of my favorite genres and I haven't been teaching it enough. So I'm super excited to check that out and see how to teach jazz. And you'll notice that like all these resources that I am talking about are kind of all over the place, right? We have jazz, we have music from around the world. We have folk songs from Scotland. We have, you know, songs that are good for pedagogy. It's kind of, you know, Over the place, but I would just say that when you're looking at any resource, it's good to think about is the author experienced in music education? Have they done their research? Is this something that my students will enjoy? Does it have more than one? worldview? Does it cover more than you know western classical music? You know all those things like it's it's just good to consider all of that and kind of use a hodgepodge of everything I I really do think is the best approach. I wish I could just say like oh just use this but it's just not how it is. (laughs) So those are the print resources that I would recommend and there are plenty more out there that I that I didn't mention but those are some of my favorites. All right so How can you build your own curriculum using all of this hodgepodge of resources and uh, lessons? So I would say what has really helped me kind of like really build my own curriculum is to write lessons that I can reuse and adapt. So I do tend to write more thorough lesson plans than maybe some people do and The reason I do that is not just to have a very thorough lesson plan that I can show an an administrator, although, of course, that doesn't hurt. It is because then if I have a thorough lesson plan, then I can reuse it the following year and it's not just like on a sticky note. I used to do that. I used to write my lesson plans on sticky notes or, you know, I would have kind of an overview. My my first year of teaching before I took my Kodai training, I would have like an overview of the lesson in my planner and that's all. I wouldn't have any procedures written out. Written out. I wouldn't have any objectives, materials, none of it. And I kind of felt like I was flying by the seat of my pants. Now, Maybe for some of you that works for me, I just know me and it did, it wasn't working. So of course, when I started taking my Kodai training, I learned all about writing sequential, very thorough lesson plans. So I still do that because then like, let's say I have a lesson plan for presenting Tikka Tikka. I can bring it back the next year, look at it. Okay. Does everything look good? Do I want to tweak anything? Do I want to bring in a song I learned at, or a, you know, activity I learned at a workshop, that kind of thing. Are we good to go? okay, looks great, or I'm going to tweak it a little bit. But then you're not creating something from absolute ground zero, right? You are taking something that's already good, already has a great foundation, and you're just tweaking it. And it's just such a time saver. And then you could add things in. Like I said, if you go to a workshop and you see a great activity, you can add that in. If you have a project, uh, like a project-based learning kind of project that you want to infuse into your lessons, then you could, you know, kind of look, okay, I'm going to take the first, let's say you have them for 50 minutes. I'm going to take the first 25 minutes and I'm going to take I'm going to use this part of this lesson from last year, tweak it a little bit, and then the next 25 minutes we are going to work on our PBL or on Steam or whatever that might be. So I just have found that really helpful to have, like I said, a good foundation so that you can bring in other things. I wish I could just say like, yep, these are my lessons and this is what we're doing and that's what I'll do again next year and that's what I'll do again the the year after that. But maybe I don't wish that I want that because You know, you want your lessons to continually evolve and to make sure that they are reaching every child, that they're culturally responsive, that, you know, you're really taking your students' interest in mind and all that good stuff. So yeah, I would kind of start with if you're kind of trying to figure out, okay, what am I going to do for my curriculum? I would look at what do you already have that you know works well with students and that you really enjoy using kind of put those aside, and then look at workshop materials, look at lesson plans you've written before that you know you can use again with some tweaking, and then you can create lesson plans for your curriculum that you are proud of and that you know your students are really responding to and can learn from. All right, so that's all about music curriculum. Let's talk about what I'm consuming. Right, so I'm a little late to the game in this, but my husband and I finally started watching Schitt's Creek, and oh my gosh, I love it. <laughs> it is so much fun. Um, it took us kind of like a few episodes to really get into it, but now we are hooked. We're, I think we just finished season four, so I think we still have a few seasons to get through, but it's on Netflix, and it's the premise, just in case you haven't watched it. I know probably a lot of you have is that it's, there's this family that is very rich and then they lose all of their money, but they own a town called Schitt's Creek. So that's where they move to live in a motel in Schitt's Creek. And uh, it's just, I love the character so much. It's just so fun to watch. So if you haven't checked it out yet, I highly recommend it. All right, so just a reminder about things that I'm going to put in the show notes. Remember to get to the show notes. You can go to mrsmiraclesmusicroom.com slash podcast and then find episode 63. I will put links to all of the resources that I mentioned. And, you know, like I've said, this is not an exhaustive list at all. These are just some of my favorites, some that I have used personally or that I've heard really good things about. I will have a sign-up form for the free first grade lesson plan if you want to check that out. Like I said, it's all in Google Drive, and the lesson will include, like, you know, written out detailed procedures, objectives, all that good stuff, as well as materials for the lesson. And I do have um, in my Facebook group, I actually asked this exact question, like, what is your favorite music curriculum? And it actually reading everybody's answers gave me some new ideas for curriculum that I hadn't really thought about. I didn't include everybody's answer because there were a lot of answers to this question. So I can link to that post in my Facebook group. And if you haven't joined yet, go ahead and ask to join and then you can see the post in my group that you know has a lot of different answers so if you're looking to purchase a curriculum or you're just trying to figure out kind of wrap your mind around how to create lesson plans in the future then that post has a lot of good stuff so i hope this has been helpful for you and i hope that uh you have a great teaching week have a good day